This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Kia ora and welcome to Creatively Wired. This broadcast is on Free FM 89.0 and is also available wherever podcasts are found. Creatively Wired is a moment in time where we chat with artists about what makes them tick. We will explore the way they work, what they are thinking about, and the many varied nuances of the creative process. Make yourself comfortable and let's have a chat with some awesome people who are creatively wired. And we are joined by Claudia today. Um, Claudia, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Alrighty, so I'm Claudia Latisner. I'm an artist uh, based in Pukeatua, that's Waikato, uh, New Zealand. And I work on the, the label um, they call me Nino. I do a little bit of photography, collage, uh, digital storytelling, and object art. Did I say photography? Yeah. Photography, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So they call me Nino. Yes. Can you give us a little bit of a, a background to that? Where does that come from? So that started back when I was in Mexico. So I come originally from Mexico. And all of my friends called me Ninu. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just like a nickname. Um, and one day talking to a friend who was into... Well, she's a social media manager... I was talking to her that I wanted, like, to have a strategy, sort of, like, to uh, get my work out in what would be the best way to, you know, spread the word and, like, make a little bit more more noise. And she suggested create a name and with that name, you know, start running all my social media and so on and so forth. And I just came up... uh, yeah, with like the phrase they call me Nino, <laughs> and nice. yeah, it just just stay cool. like that. Yep. Is is that the name you use when you exhibit as well, or do you exhibit under? Yeah, no, it's a good question because I haven't actually used it when I exhibit. When I exhibit my yeah, like the um, information cards, they always say Claudia Latisner, hmm. but it's only recently um, that I started using it as. You know, the full name, they call me Nino. Um, so I was in this exhibition to Iwahine um, yes. uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was. And yeah, I think that was the first exhibition that I used the, the label. Because you did a show at Wallace Gallery, Morrinsville, with uh, that name as well, eh? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That was the greetings from the Outer Space Project. That's right. Yeah. So... Tell us a little bit about what your, your that project, that out, Greetings from Outer Space project, that's a photography project mainly. Yep. And photography of yourself as a character within a New Zealand landscape? Or yep. Tell us a little bit about developing that work. So Greetings from the Outer Space is a photography-based Uh, project. It's a series of photographs. It's all self-portraits. 
So it's about it's it's narrative photography. So it tells the story of an alien creature um, on a mission to rural New Zealand. And so that came about when I was living in Wellington. And then I moved to Pukeatua, which is a little rural community. Um, yeah, it must be like an hour down south from Hamilton. And you know what it is like when you're dealing with like all these changes? I've all of my life lived in a big city. And so all of a sudden, being in this environment where, you know, you don't have like heaps of houses all around you anymore, or like heaps of people and cars and everything, just, you know, the landscape around me changed uh, dramatically. Yeah, I feel a little bit like an alien. I feel a little bit like, whoa, I'm, I'm a little bit, yeah, out of uh, place. And yeah, one day I just had this, image in my head and wanting to do like this photo of, you know, like this alien creature landing in, yeah, Bukeatua and yeah, that's how it started. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fun series and to me it really kind of highlights how surreal some of our rural New Zealand landscapes are, like, you know, abandoned tennis courts with sort of nothing around them and, yeah. um, you know, some of our, yeah, like... There's one that was a an old wooden church, um, which on its own, I think a, a lot of New Zealanders are used to seeing those images, but then when you have this sort of alien traveller next to them, you you kind of realise, oh, these are actually pretty <laughs> unique and strange places. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so that, that idea of um, being an outsider, being an alien and exploring, is, is that unique to that collection or that's an idea that has kind of run through your work more recently? I think, uh, yeah, the subject of migration has been very present in my work ever since I got to New Zealand. It's kind of you don't realise how much being, like living abroad and, and not being in your home country anymore is going to impact, you know, your life and obviously your work um yeah so it's 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 been there it's been present because how long have you been in new zealand now this year it's gonna be seven years mm, wow okay. yeah yeah um i started with yeah when i arrived in new zealand i actually started with another project that dealt with that um yeah oh, well we can talk about it yeah go on um yeah, so that one is Still I Found All the Pieces. That's the name of the project. And so that project, what I did was I got seven teacups and I went to seven different locations. That was in Wellington when I was living at the time in there. And so I broke in those in all of those different locations, all the teacups, I was carrying a hammer with me, and so I smashed the teacups, and then I collect them, collected all the pieces in bags, took them back home, and at home I reconstructed um, the pieces, but the pieces are not quite, you know, fit in place. It's kind of like I reconstructed them so that they look a little bit like my Frankenstein uh, teacups. <laughs> And then I built little trees um, out of 
paper and branches that were gonna, well, they looked like they were growing from within the teacups. And then I photographed, well, first I photographed all the broken teacups and then I photographed like how the teacups looked after they were reconstructed and with the plants inside. And that was dealing very much with yeah, migration, what it is like to all of a sudden be in, you know, this foreign environment. You're not speaking your language, like there's a rupture there. Um, yeah, this, it, it's, it's quite a shock. And how, you know, how you put the pieces back together and how you make them fit with your background, your culture, and how you make it fit with, you know, this new environment that you're in, this mm -hmm. new culture there. Mm, yeah, super interesting. And and how do the plants feed into that? Is that sort of about putting roots into those new spaces, or? Oh, well, the, the roots—that's another um, subject. It's kind of because during the teacup, they know they they are not really rooted yeah. to the ground. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, when you're living abroad is kind of like that. You feel like you're uprooted and you feel like, you know, your roots are not, all of a sudden not what they were supposed to be, kind of thing. And so, yeah, there's no roots in the plants, mm -hmm. you know, because they are in the teacups. Um, yeah, how they fit in. I guess for me, the plants is like, like the growth. It's the things that you start growing. But then it's interesting because um, at the end of the project, I ended up burning all the all the plants, all the right. paper plants. It was there's a little video um, where I chuck all of the plants into the fireplace, and they are all burning. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of meanings behind that. To me, it was like vulnerability. It's like um, you feel very vulnerable. And, yeah, because you're dealing with all this change. And it's, yeah, just quite, it, it, it's a very strong feeling. And, but then after a while, I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to be living with this feeling of, you know, vulnerability. And so it's kind of like moving forward and, you know, bear them, burn them all, except for one. <laughs> yeah. Except for one. I left one because it's kind of like my reminder of, uh, yeah, that it's important to be vulnerable as well, and it's important to, you know, like not at the identify yourself with that vulnerability, but but recognize that we all are vulnerable in different circumstances and in different ways. Yeah, mm. and I, I, you know, I always respect artists that really include vulnerability in their work. Mm. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and. Um, Particularly because um, we just hosted the Kotahitanga show, which was exploring racism. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it, for artists to come forward and do that, to go, this is who I am and this is where I sit with something and I'm vulnerable in that space, that is really an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It also occurs to me as you're um, <clears throat> talking uh, how much of your work is not just about making objects, but it's it has an action component, like, I was going to say performance, but not necessarily with the audience, right? So you're, you are actually dressing up and going into spaces and taking photos, and then you're making things and then burning them, and 
yeah, there's this sort of this whole other side that's actually quite active behind it. It's about doing things and experiencing things as well as making things. Yeah, yeah, and I never thought it that way. Um, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> mm. I, I guess, yeah, there's like the easiness of doing it that way as well, you know, because sometimes, I don't know, it, I could have invited somebody to be my model or to be like my you know, actress or actor, and but it, it, sometimes it's kind of hard to find, you know, people with the time available, and um, yeah, and so it's just easier, easier if you do it yourself, you know? So. Yeah, and they, I mean, it seems like <coughs> autobiographical work anyway, right? So it makes yeah. sense for you to be in those images if they're about you. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Mm. So sp speak, speaking of autobiography, can you t tell us kind of your journey as an artist, like when did you start playing with art? When did you make it your career or your job or your passion? Like how, from the beginning to now, what is that journey? <laughs> um, yeah, I always say that all of my life. Like ever since uh, I was a kid, I was very drawn to making and creating. I was talking to Nolan, my partner, just a couple of days ago that it was very funny that I would always come up with like these um, DIY gifts for all of my family. And so, I don't know, I remember like this birthday, I gave my brother like this little highway. It was a cardboard highway with a little cardboard um, car. That he probably didn't even like, and it was very crappy. And um, well, you know, I, yeah, I was very drawn to make things. And my mom signed me up to this um, painting course. I must have been like, I don't know, five years old. And I remember like the feeling of like, ah, you know, to be very like in your happy place when you're creating. Like I remember me like sighing when I was like doing my drawing and my painting and I remember that my teacher like laughing at that and, and like I've never seen um, a kid like sighing so much you know <laughs> during <clears throat> the lessons and yeah I don't know later when I was a teenager I got interested in photography and one of my uncles was selling his camera and he was living like a, in a different state, it was like seven hours away, and my grandma took me to my uncle's place, and um, he got she got the camera for me just so I could do my photography. And yeah, I started just like going out on the street and photographing different things, and so yeah, I don't know, it, it's it's always been present, and yeah, then later when I was choosing what career to study. Um, yeah, when yeah I get to go to university, I just, you know, I was looking like this brochure of like all the careers that were available. And when I saw ads, I was like, oh, I didn't even know that it was, you know, that you could study ads as a career. And I was like, yeah, like, didn't have second thoughts. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And where were you <laughs> studying? That was in Guadalajara. Uh, that's, it's not where I grew up, but it's, um, like, I lived here 15 years, like, from when I was 15 to, yeah. Awesome. And so you studied there, and then you worked 
there as well as an artist before you came to New Zealand? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say as an artist because it's kind of hard to make a living as an artist. That's, yeah, a lot of us artists know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I was doing creative things. I took some courses, like I learned how to use a lot of the programs of the Adobe Suite and all that, and I started getting uh, jobs as a graphic, graphic designer. Um, yeah, sort of like to make a living and um, yeah, being able to do my projects yeah, at the same time. Mm -hmm. hmm. So I started little by little having exhibitions and just that meeting people and getting to know who's who in the art scene and uh, yeah. And so then a decision at some point to move to New Zealand. That is a long story. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that, because my partner at the time, um, his Kiwi, his visa was about to expire. And, we, yeah, we made plans to come to New Zealand. Yeah, but being here, unfortunately, yeah, that didn't work. And I just, I just fell in love with New Zealand. And I was like, well... I, you know, I already did it, it, like, took all the trouble to come here, and, um, yeah, I just decided to stay. That's awesome, and it, it, I mean, it's interesting how that, that one decision has gone on to manifest itself in a bunch of different ways in your work, because I imagine that, that that idea of the the alien, that idea of the, like, um, migration and, and finding roots probably wasn't as present Yep. Prior to that shift? Yep, yep. And so, like, <clears throat> what was your work exploring prior to that? Do you remember kind of what the, the questions were in things pre-New Zealand and, and what that shift was? Um, <clears throat> yeah, good question. I guess I was... One of my projects was dealing with um, relationships, for instance... Um, this was like a group exhibition, um, and I made like a diptych. It was two photos of um, dirty, it was a pile of dirty dishes, and then another photograph of all the dishes all like tidy, tidied up and all clean and, uh, you know, nice and tidy. <clears throat> and the photo with the dirty dishes had a text on, on under the photo that said, um, no, I started with the pile of the clean dishes and it says, I just need to know you care. And the one with the dirty dishes said, I just need to know I'm free, you know? And it was like this, um, yeah, like the struggle with... Um, being yourself and sticking to your truth, but at the same time, you always have to compromise a little bit and, you know, this give and take. Um, yeah, so that, that sort of subjects. So I have, been, I, I have been always interested in finding meaning in uh, everyday experiences. So my art has always been influenced uh, by that, whatever I'm living at the time, I use it, or whatever it's like a strong subject at the time, 
I use it in my work and explore, you know, what it means to me. It's important to me to find meaning, um, yeah, from those experiences and, and, and find out what is it that it, it means to me. Mm. And does that, <coughs> say, say if you have a question that comes to you from <coughs> your experience in your life, you know, whether it's relationship or being in a new place or whatever it is, then you make the work about it, does that change how you feel about that original experience or question? Does uh, it go back and then change your life? Probably not so much change, but being aware more. Um, I realized that after finishing my project, project, I all of a sudden found like a lot of answers, you know? Even sometimes for questions that I wasn't even asking. And yeah. then it just brings that, uh, yeah, to an awareness level. Like, oh, I, I never saw it in that light, you know? All of a sudden realizing, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's <coughs> something about immersing yourself in a question as well, isn't there? If it, you know, but, um, for a lot of artists, once they have that question of like, this is the thing I want to explore, it's hard to stop thinking about that, right? Yep. So that yep. must be a big part of that, of moving those ideas forward and looking at them from different angles and yeah yeah once yeah yeah it's um yeah that's very interesting too that that you're saying about the question i read once um the psychologist who said that it was something on the lines that a mission in life is to find what a question is you know not our answers but what a question is and yeah and that's something that stuck with me and what and, and i believe that those questions change over time mm. Mm. yeah and the interesting thing about <coughs> about artists is they tend to be much more interested in questions than answers <laughs> you know the answer is almost boring because it's it puts a full stop or an end on it and then there's nothing else to think about it's like okay well we know the answer so what else is there you know whereas a question is kind of an opening to another space Often to more questions, you know. Yeah, but, but also, yeah, it's interesting how answers never stop coming up. You know, that there's never definitive answers. Um, like when you revisit a certain project, say, you know, in five years, years time, uh, you realize that, yeah, the question is still there, but. You know what I mean? There, there's also like new questions and you find like new meanings um, from that same work because you have lived a whole bunch of other things and then you think differently and, and you start noticing different things. Yeah, it changes your perception. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. And some of those, so you're saying some of those original questions, it's, it's like you've moved on from those. It's like maybe they answered or maybe they're just not relevant anymore. Is that what you're saying? And then the, you're uh, kind of at a place of exploring new I guess, things. I guess what I, what I mean is that I see artworks as living things, that mm. they are not completely defined and completely... Um, yeah, they are always evolving, you mm. know? And dep depending who's seeing and who's interpreting the artwork, like, it, it's still alive, you know? It's, it's never just one answer. It's never just one... Yeah, uh, you yeah. know what I mean? I yeah, do. one, yeah, that's one, a, one meaning. That's a really nice way to think of it, yeah. 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 We'll be back shortly with this interview with Claudia. But for now, here is Are You Leaving for the Country? 
by Karen Dalton. Are you leaving for the country? You say the city brings you down. making there's a there's a real sense of um i don't know if it's innocence but it, it's it's a playful energy which is really kind of beautiful and and engaging oh, geez. um is is that also a reflection on being a mother and 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 spending time with with your with your child and and that or is it a coincidence or not necessarily a reflection of what it is like to be a mother, but um, maybe a reflection of what are the things that I would like to teach my son and what are the things that I would like to pass on, what are the things that I would like him to do. Like, for instance, the masks. The masks um, yeah, so I developed this uh, online workshop. It's called Ordinary Monsters. And it's been a while that I've been doing little projects that deal with monsters um, because, yeah, I feel that monsters to me represent the things that we're not comfortable with and they're uh, like in our lives, so, you know. But it's also, I've been reading a lot about, you know, people advocating for... Um, um, yeah, like like uh, more support for mental health, um, you know, problems and all that. And then I realize how much sometimes we are not used to express how we really feel and how we suppress a lot of those things, thinking that we must be happy all the time. And then so Ordinary Monsters is a little bit about that, is dealing with like, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to, you know, and it's okay that, that to express that and to let other people know that, um, you know, those feelings are real, they exist, they are part of us. And yeah, I wanted to use like a playful way of doing it because, you, you know, to, to not make it like, it's not a big, scary monster. It's like embracing, and it's you know, it's part of you, and you can you learn from that. It's just like it's your monsters, you know. Love your monsters. Um, yeah, that's really beautiful. I love it. Yeah, as as part of that, um, I have to ask: Is that someone 
um, coming from Mexico to New Zealand, where I feel like it's probably less okay culturally here to to show overt anger or sadness or you know any strong emotion. I think we tend to try and keep things pretty level emotionally. Yeah. Is that is, are you kind of reacting against that as well? I don't know if reacting against, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I definitely noticed the yeah that cultural difference. I, I did find it hard at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Latin American culture is more like it's very out there. More explosive. Very, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. If you're angry, you show it. If you're sad, you show it. And like I'm, of course, making a generalization and yeah not sure. everybody's like that and sure. yeah but uh yeah yeah it's it's not so yeah it's not being against but it, it's being like sticking to my truth you know this mm. this is my truth and this is what I believe in I, I think I I would like that's one of the things that I would like my son to know that it's okay to embrace your not happy feelings and you're not you know yeah, yeah, to embrace your monsters and, and, and learn from them and learn learn how to play with them. Hmm. Well, they're valuable, aren't they? They hmm. offer us things that are useful. That's why they exist. Yeah. But yeah. The, the trouble can be when they're not dealt with healthily, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. I, I thought that, you know, if you're angry, you can make a mask and just go and like pour, you know, all that feeling into something creative and I find it a very safe way to, yeah, deal with that. So the idea is that, yeah, say if I'm angry, I get to put on an angry mask and then feel okay about being angry? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, also they become reminders, you know, because I have all my different masks um, hanging on the wall and so there's a... Bored mask, and the, there's the angry <laughs> mask, and you know, they're, they're my reminders of like, oh, yeah, I have all of those feelings, that's right. So, what happens for you or other people? Have you started your workshops yet for the masks? I have, yeah, 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 they're live online now. So, what happens for you or other people you're working with if they then go and put on that mask of that emotion they're feeling? Yeah, I thought about that. They... I haven't done that, but at some point, because um, at the moment, I'm, people are just signing up to the workshop, and at some point, I would like to uh, put a notice out there saying, like, yeah, it would be awesome if you would share your masks, and, you know, but, uh, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm just going to say something like, you can or you cannot share the feeling was based on because I, I don't think a lot of people would feel comfortable mm. and, and that's fine like it's as long as as long as they know that's fine you know they are they are expressing that to themselves it does that make sense yeah 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 so it's more of a personal thing yeah I think for, for some of them would be public and and that's fine but yeah I but the public ones might be the ones that are already okay with emotion anyway, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just went that that safe um, element to be there, you know. I, I don't. I guess because I, as an artist, know that how 
vulnerable you feel sometimes when you're, you know, sharing personal stuff mm -hmm. uh, through your work. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's uncomfortable and I don't want to put people, sure. you know, yeah, in that uncomfortable yeah. space. That's not the motivation of the artwork, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I mean, it seems to me, as you talk, more, it's fascinating hearing more about your work because I've known about your work for a long time, but hearing more about the stories is, is so cool. It seems like there's uh, almost a sense of therapy behind some of this work. I know that's quite a heavy word, yep. but you know, it's like, or at least sort of processing, yeah, that with, with the emotional stuff with the mass or the your own personal work around what it means to be an alien in a foreign land or, you know, the teacup work. Yeah. It, there's a, it's, it seems very kind of psychological but also like emotional processing kind of work. Yeah, there's definitely um, personal. There's definitely, there's always going to be like a very personal element in my work, that's for sure. But now, and... But yeah, therapeutic, I'm not sure if I would think about my work in that way. I do, I do feel like art is a very good way to reflect on who we are in the time that we are living in and in the space that we are living in. And so in saying that, it's always going to be reflecting what's going on in our times. And so in our times, we do struggle with, you know, mental health issues and mm. with, um, yeah, dealing with our emotions in a way. We do struggle with, like, this constant bombarding of, like, consumerism and buy and this is what's going to make your life happy and you know um, so to me art is that it, it's reflecting of what are our times like you know what yeah I think I think art picks mm -hmm. up on, on, on that absolutely and I think art often finds a way into the to those big topics in a way that other things don't in terms of the, the angles that I might look at, at them from or the questions that might be asking would be quite different from the questions that, I yep. don't know, journalists or writers or, mm. I mean, write, you know, I don't mean art writing, but, you know, yep. the other people or the common sort of narratives in the population can be one way, but then the artist might come in and go, oh, hey, hang on. <laughs> yep, yep, Which yep. seems to be where your interest lies. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm. So I'm interested in um, the practicalities of your process. So you're uh, a mum, and that's a huge, crazy big job, and, mm -hmm. like, hats off to all the mothers who do amazing stuff. But you're also finding time to make work. What does that actually look like for you? <laughs> hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard. Um, yeah, obviously I don't have as much time anymore in like the space you know sometimes I'm in my workroom and I put like a lot of toys for Tuhirangi so he keep himself entertained but it turns out that computer mom's computer is more interested <laughs> interesting that especially yeah. if mom's interested in yeah, mom's yeah, computer yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so yeah I have to like work a little bit more at night time after he goes to bed or when he's having his naps and 
Yeah, I guess one good thing is that I am way more focused because I know that I have less time. Mm -hmm. The little time that I have, I'm more like, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do, and like, go for it, and I don't procrastinate as. And do you, you know, have anymore? that have that time quite structured in that like Tuesday evenings and Thursday evenings or, or whatever? Is it a little bit more kind of take it when you can get it? Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I don't like to have super rigid structures because they don't work for me. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of turns. It makes it boring, what? you know? Yeah, yeah I, I like to be like, go more with the flow and work with the ideas. Also because it, it's very stressing when, when you have like a rigid schedule. It's like, yeah, I have to work this many hours, this, you know, many days a week. And I have, I don't know, it, it kind of puts, for me anyway, puts pressure of like, oh, I have to create and I have to come up with ideas. I prefer to be a little bit more, let the ideas come to me and wait for them. Sometimes I have to wait for them and some, sometimes it's nothing's happening and I don't come up with anything and I'm like, it's okay. I'm just going to wait for them to come for me, to me. And um, yeah, yeah. So it's whenever I get the idea, I just start working as much as I can. And also because I cannot stop. Once I get the idea, I just want to... You know, get to the end of it and I just can't stop. Mm. Yeah. That's really interesting. And um, how do you, when you get that idea, how do you, because you obviously you work in photography and collage and you do digital storytelling and you work with objects as well. Uh, do, how do you decide what you're going to start working in or do you let the idea lead you to, to the materials? That's a good question. It often, it often starts with an image in my head. So I all of a sudden have like this image. And so I, I'm like, okay, I got an image. Where, what's that image telling me? And I just start working on the image and I start to find, well, I start to look for like questions or like, okay, what is, what is this image telling me? And I start to elaborate. You know, then everything starts to grow. Like, for instance, with the gradings from the outer space project, I just have this image of, like, this alien wearing a metallic uh, dress and what it was going to look. And I was going to stand, like, in the middle of this little reserve and having all trees around and all that. And that was the image I got. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to make the costume and I'm just going to take the photo and I'm going to start with that photo. And I don't know where that's going to go, but I'm just going to go with it. And after, and after finishing that photo and doing it and seeing the image, more images starting, started to come. And I was like, oh, I know what the next image is going to be. And so I started, you know, you start mm -hmm. elaborating. That's very cool. So when you see the image, say, of, you know, of yourself as, as the alien, or you see that outfit, at that point, do you know what it's about? Or is it just you have a, it's more of an intuition and then you make it and then you do it and you're like, oh, that's why I had to make this because yeah. it's exploring this idea. I have, I usually start with a very vague idea, but I, it, it's, it's, it's very faint. It's not, it's not very well defined. And yeah, I usually find like the big meaning right at the end of the project. Yeah, it's because you have to go through all this process of like 
studying, struggling. Sometimes you fight with your project a little bit and you know, you have to go from A to B and go all the way, you know, and experience all the thoughts, all the process, all the making. Yeah, and it's not until, oh, after you've done all of that that you see something, you know? You're mm -hmm. like, oh, of course. Yeah, it's A to B, but via C, D, and yeah, yeah. W. And yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I really, I relate to that of the, some, the, and I know not all, just, all artists have this, but that kind of mysterious thing where it's like, I have to make this thing, and then afterwards you kind of realize what it was about. It's like the subconscious sort of becomes conscious or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess I used to work like that, like at the beginning when, when I, you know, left university and I started to work on my projects. I, I started like that. I started wanting to have very clear ideas and very clear answers of what I was going to do, what materials I was going to use, now what kind of, you know, I needed to have like this. But it didn't, over the time and over the years, I realized that it wasn't really working for me, that it was, it's very stifling. Um, yeah, it's kind of like you don't let the ideas you know, grow themselves and evolve themselves. Yeah, I recently read, a, read um, heard an interview they did to Kate Tempest, and she was saying something like that about ideas, how if you give your ideas very strict limits, yeah, you don't let them be what they are. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because we. This is our second podcast we've done in the series, and the first one sort of like polar opposite in terms of working method. Like nine to five, work no matter what. It's like yeah, and I love that because it's. I think one of the things about being an artist is that you have to work out how you work. Yep. You can hear all sorts of things and read all sorts of things, but it's when you hear that thing or read that thing that resonates with you and makes sense, and you try it and it works, that you know you've found it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and in the end, it's whatever works for everybody, you know. There's, I always say, there's there's no one single way to get to a place. There's always multiple roads, mm -hmm. and so you know, you choose one road, and whatever works for you in the end. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever allows you to make the work that you want to make. Yeah, that's the right path to be yeah. on. Yeah, and I think staying curious about what that path looks like and what works and what doesn't work and where you've been and where you're heading. I think that's... Yeah. Uh, I think that's where it's sort of interesting. Yeah. When people talk, you know, this this is how I have to do it. It's like, yep. cool, yeah, you've worked that out through being curious about, yeah. about what doesn't work and what does work. And enjoy being lost and enjoy, you know, and enjoy not knowing and enjoying and not having certainties. Yeah. Those are the things that. Mm -hmm. So um, I've got a, another question going back to the thing of of being a, a parent to a mm -hmm. to a very small human, yep. and um, and art pro process. Do you find that now the type of work you do changes to fit around? I imagine that you probably generally get smaller chunks of time to do work, and that might determine a little bit what you can and can't make. Like some, I know you know some art. 
projects might take a lot of setup or going to a, lo <laughs> a specific location or, you know, um, that might be harder now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, simplicity is my new motto. It's like, make it simple. Yeah, I... All of my projects have been working about that. How can I make something and work on a determined project and make it simple? I, yeah, because I definitely cannot do something super complicated because it would be a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would make it really hard for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, that connects to uh, another project that I've seen that, that I, f I find really kind of fascinating is the, the paper dolls. Oh, yeah. Like, the, so the photos of people, but then you've made the paper doll clothes for them. Like, what, what's happening there? What are, what are you kind of doing there? Yeah, so that one, it's, it has to do with fashion a little bit. I like fashion a lot, like I do, and I like colorful clothes, and, um, but they, yeah, then you read about how fashion has been one of the industries that, that has um, contributed the most to, you know, damaging a planet and, I don't know, polluting the waters and all of that, and I was like, I remember these paper dolls that they used to sell at the stationery shops when I was a kid. You would just get your template with this little paper doll with heaps of dresses that you could cut out and, you know, you would dress your doll with all these different faces. Um, sorry, dresses. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if our fashion was like that, you know, if we don't have to buy, you know, all this fast fashion and, and just, you know, we just draw our favorite clothes on us just for our own pleasure, wouldn't it be great and we wouldn't be damaging, you know, our environment? And it, that, that's, that's how it came about. They're really, like, um, again, I come back to the word playful. They're, they're beautifully playful and, and they're largely portraits of friends. And, and you've, have you selected the the fabric type as a reflection on them or like is it, what's the kind of process in selecting the clothes for the person given your personal connection to them? It's been changing. No, not necessarily. It's more like the patterns are based on whatever subject I'm thinking at the time. For instance, there's one pattern that no, I call them paper fabrics. So it's paper fabrics that have these designs, these patterns. And so one of the patterns was uh, blindfold. Because um, at the time I was um, thinking about... Well, this is a really nice quote. I have it in here. I read that I read by this economist. I read uh, one of his books. And... Oh, I cannot find it. But it says something that the, um, how the systems of domination or, or the systems that are dominating um, envelop us in their truths and they don't allow us to see, um, you know, like the reality. Right. Does that make sense? So, so if, um, okay, I have it 
I have it here. It says, all systems of domination work by enveloping us in their, na in their narrative and superstitions in such a way that we cannot see beyond them, taking a step or two back, finding a way to inspect them from the outside, allow us a glimpse of how imperfect, how ludicrous they are. So one of those systems of domination is like, you know how consumerism and how all this constant bombarding of like marketing uh, material telling us like, yeah, you should look pretty and you should have all these super fancy hip uh, things that are going to make your life better. And how we buy into that, like it, it's inevitable, we all do, we all do. And yeah, how can, how can we take a step back and say, yeah, actually, those are not, not the things that I should be valuing, these are not the things that I should be focusing on, and these are not the things that I should pursue to make my life better. And, and another thing that influenced that, that project about the paper dolls was uh, I read this article where um, this lady was saying that how detached we have become from the process of making all of the things that we use in life, like how we are so detached of like how our clothes are made or how... Uh, I don't know, our computers are made, you know? We, we just go to the shop and it's all very simple to just, you know, do a monetary transaction, get your books, go back home, and it's all, voila! And the same with the supermarket or with food, you know? We're not involved in the process. And in that detaching ourselves from that, like, we, we don't see the value of, like, actually, making clothes takes a lot of hours. Um... You know, there's a lot of work behind that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then you start to go, well, if it takes so long to make some clothes, why can't I buy that piece of clothing for seven dollars or whatever? You know, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, and that, and that's a powerful um, and kind of chilling quote to be reminded of that as well. You know, is that I think once you start looking beneath the surface of a lot of things as well, you realise how manufactured they are as. Um, these kind of shared ideas. Mm. You know? So I was uh, learning recently about the history of diamonds and the idea that the diamond is the, is the wedding ring is a very, very recent engineered thing All that right. was dreamt up in a marketing, <clears throat> you know, in an advertising um, yep. studio. Yep. Um, before then, there were still wedding rings, but there were all sorts of different gems. You know, <laughs> there was nothing special about the diamond. Yeah. Um, yep. But... Now, just about anyone you talk to, at least in the Western world, I'm not sure about the whole world, but they would say, yes, that is what a wedding ring looks like. Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly clever marketing, but also, you know, all of these things that are imposed on us that we then decide are, well, they are part of our culture, even though someone kind of imposed them. Yep, yep. Then, you know, they, they, they do have a dark side as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's like how, how, yeah, how to break with that. And so when I was doing the paper fabrics, it was like taking my time into designing the patterns and making, you know, uh, replacing the clothes the people were wearing for this, um, yeah, fabrics, this new, yeah, digital fabrics and, yeah, the time that it takes and the creative process behind it and, I don't know, they just, I find it that it's a way of connecting back with mm. the process of 
where our stuff comes from. Yeah, absolutely. And to kind of <laughs> come in from a different angle of a way of uh, exploring that question and pointing out that, you know, this situation. Because it's not necessarily the job of the artist to solve the problem. You know, like, we yep. can't replace our wardrobes with with collages. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it does yeah. provoke an interesting idea, I think. Yeah, yeah. Although I do, I do have, like, this new idea of, like, I want to replace all of my wardrobe for... Uh, so I'm, I'm planning to have just a pair of trousers, a pair of skids, and a pair of dresses, and that's going to be all my wardrobe, you know? Wow. I'll try to limit everything so to... really minimalist. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I want to make the clothes myself. And it's, you know, talking about that, like, actually, we need very little to live. We don't need all of these things. Can we live with it less? Can we... Would it matter if people see me every time with the same trousers, the pair of trousers or the same dress? It actually doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think that's one of the... one. Of, you know, I think a lot of people reflecting on that sort of stuff because of lockdown, right? Mm -hmm. So I, for myself, was like, well, I literally can't, at least at the beginning of the New Zealand lockdown, I literally can't buy anything except food. Yep, and yep. And some very basics. Yep. Um, but it's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. okay. Yeah. It's, it's actually quite nice. It's quite simple. And yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the composer, Eric Satie, who just bought one grey suit. He had two of the exact same suit, and that's all he wore forever. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, this is, this is what I wear. Uh, yeah. and like, you remove the decision of like, what do I wear each morning? It's like, I wear that grey suit. That's what I wear. Yeah. Yeah. You, your mind is freed up to kind of do other things. Yeah, like yeah a, exactly. Like a monk or a nun, right? It's yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's a uniform. Yeah. It's functional. Yeah, yeah. We had an um, a, a painting tutor when I studied who would only buy the same type of shoes exactly these 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 black leather shoes always exactly the same brand same size of course and but they they would sort of move along this line of being new good shoes that would be worn for good things to eventually ending up being painting shoes you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending on how worn they are yeah yeah, yeah. there's something so beautiful and simple about that you know yeah. it removes all that kind of time and energy of like, what shoes should I buy? Going to all the different shops, you know, looking online, whatever. It's like that's, you know, that sort of activity, which for a lot of people is leisure, it just removes all of that fuss. And it's just like, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's, the decision's already made. Yeah, yeah. There's there's another artist who uh, worked on a project exactly like that. Um, her name is Andrea Zito. Um, so she crocheted dresses. And she used just one dress for a whole month. And I think it was something like she made 12 dresses for the whole year or something like that. Or maybe it was for the sun, for a whole season. I can't remember. Maybe it was just, yeah, four dresses, something like that. But she wore the same dress every day. And she was talking about that, like um, especially around office culture, how frowned upon it is well, in her environment or in her office environment, to be wearing, you know, the same clothes in the same week. And she was like, why should it be like that? I can't, I'm just going to wear the same. You see, that's, that's what I would like about art, that it brings forward those issues. And then it makes you think like, oh, yeah, that's right. 
Um, I've been always worried about uh, wearing a different thing, and so and so have seen this dress, and I wore it in such and such occasion, and you know, yeah, I find it really, really fun. Well, we are going to run out of time, so yep. I'm going to ask you to, is, if you were to like go back and talk to yourself as a 15 year old, and and what one piece of advice would you give to yourself? in terms of pursuing your artistic journey? Oh, good question. I guess it would be give less fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and follow your, yeah, stick to your truths. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, well thanks so much for joining us, Claudia. It's been a super interesting conversation. Cheers. And... Um, yeah, it's been great having you on our second podcast, radio show. Um, if people want to check out Claudia's work, they can go to her website, which is they call me ninu.art. Ninu is spelled N-I-N-U. Um, and she's on Instagram, which so at they call me Ninu. Um, any other things you want to plug coming up? Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, you'll, you'll find all me over everywhere it. as yeah, uh, they call me Nino. Yep. And your mask making web workshops are online and anyone can do them from anywhere because it's right. all delivered online, yeah? It's a very easy busy process to yeah, sign up, subscribe, you follow an online tutorial and you're good to go. You get your mask. And awesome. they find out about that through your website? Yeah. yeah. Um the link is on Instagram. It's on my website as well. If you go to uh, my bread and butter, you're going to find workshops and yeah. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been, it's been lovely to be here and yeah, having awesome. a really nice chat about that. Great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This show has been broadcast on Free FM 89.0 and is brought to you by Creative Waikato. Have a great day. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.